This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, what was the very first Olympic sport ever, thousands of years ago? And why did ancient Olympians run in full suits of armor? Find out the bizarre, insightful, and surprising history of the Olympics. Olympics expert Nigel Crowther helps us understand the old Olympics of ancient times and debunks many myths surrounding the old ones and connections to modern-day Olympics as we know it. It's also time for Game Showy here on the Shift. We get into Olympic trivia, celebrating Canada's hard work in Beijing. Who will be crowned this week's king of the trivia? Will Shane retain his title or will Brendan fight back for a victory? Plus, are you okay with amateur art? This is the Shift Podcast. And it's time for us to get involved with this uh, very exciting, deeply insightful segment that's not available anywhere on television or streaming platforms. It's only here on The Shift. It's called Game Showy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Game Showy. It's a game show on the radio. We don't have any prizes to give to you, so we just play it ourselves. But we love having no budget. That's what makes Game Showy fun. Here's your host, Ryan O'Donnell. Oh, thanks, Bob. Welcome back to Game Show. A thrill to be back here on this lovely, almost across everywhere Canada, Thursday night. So, Game Show returns, and we have to have a theme for the trivia. We have to play a proper trivia game. And what better theme than the Olympics? It's happening right now around us. So, I have a bunch of Olympic-themed trivia questions for you. Bob, why don't you tell us what categories are available tonight? Thank you, Ryan. Why don't I tell you what categories we have for tonight? Here on Game Showy, our categories are Canada at the Olympics, International Olympics, and other random Olympic crap that did not fit in the other two categories. Great. Well, let's get into the rules, shall we? As I am the game master. If, gentlemen, Brendan Kelly, Shane Hewitt, and listeners, of course, you are more than welcome to text in, call in, 877-399-9898. If you answer my questions correctly, you will hear this lovely sound. Ooh, I like that sound. Clap, clap, clap. And if you're wrong. 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 There you go. It's as simple <laughs> as use, that. Just wrong. Wrong. Yep. I thought about that. We're going to spice it up. Okay. So without further ado, why don't we get started with some game showy, shall we? Love this. Okay. Let's so... get started with game showy. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Uh, I'm going to give the first pick of this to Brendan Kelly because oh. he was able to correctly answer a random question I had about guessing the time it took to download a video game earlier in the show. So, yes. Brendan Kelly. Hey. Following uh, hello. Uh, ding, ding, judges. Yep. Um, The Russian judge it's here clearly is, is paid for because um, the current champion it's already starting. Uh, it's usually like gets to at least call the coin it's toss. It's already starting. Like, we yep. did, we haven't even asked the first question, and you're complaining about the Well, I know, but you're giving the, the question to the guy who lost last uh, You know, mm-hmm. it's starting to sound like a U.S. presidential debate. <laughs> it is. Oh, let's keep it away from that and get into some trivia. Brendan Kelly, you could pick from one of three categories. Just a reminder, Canada at the Olympics, international performances at the Olympics, and random political political Olympic Fixed. crap. Fixed. Okay. Well, following the rules here uh, that you have set out as mm-hmm. the rule maker, the excellent rule maker that you are, I'm going to go with Canada at the Olympics. You know, I could turn your mic off, Shane. Like, uh, yeah, I have, he does that, have power. that power. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Still. Okay. Great. Brendan Kelly, uh, your first question is a question I'm sure many Canadians listening right now will know the answer to, uh, or at least remember this moment. 2010 Vancouver Olympics opening ceremony. The Olympic torch is about to ignite the Olympic cauldron. 
you are about to hear a singer. You need to tell me which singer is belting this cover of Leonard Cohen's Alleluia, Vancouver 2010 Olympics. Here is that performance. Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major left, the baffled king composing, hallelujah. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Hallelujah. I, I know, I know, I know who it is. You know the answer? Hallelujah. Yeah. Ryan Kelly. Yeah. What's uh, the answer? I was, uh, it was in a bar in downtown Toronto watching this exact moment back in 2010 mm-hmm. watching KD Lang mm-hmm. sing that song very correct sure you weren't uh, at the bank sending the judges some money <laughs> oh my gosh she's getting okay. spicy already lots of texts right off there, the bat Trump Jeez. everybody got it <laughs> <laughs> We're already there, eh? Okay, there you go. Brendan Kelly up one nothing in this round that was of beautiful. game show. It's one of my favorite things from the 2010. Was yes, that. it was uh, hands down. It's the first time I'd watched it in a long time. Gathering that, and oh my goodness, what a! You should just if you can watch that, check it out. It holds up incredibly well. well Not just her performance, Katie, but the whole stadium. Well, Katie had like Canada in tears. Yeah, like, it, was, it was. Yeah, amazing. Shane Hewitt, it is your turn mm. to pick a category and a question. Oh, oh. Go for it. Oh, that's good. I'm, I'm very excited. Mm. How about random crap that doesn't fit in any other category, please, Ryan? Random crap. Okay. Uh, Olympics. We uh, One of the most important things for the Olympics is math, timing, and uh, you know making sure that we know the exact second a racer finishes a race or a goal goes crosses the goal line. So here is my question for you. In which Olympics were electronic timing devices used for the very first time? Your options are Oslo in 1952, Los Angeles in 1928, and Stockholm in 1912. Timing devices. Can you repeat the question, please? In which Olympics were electronic timing devices, like an electronic stopwatch or even just that kind of stuff, used for the very first time? Uh, They were used right after the last Olympics that used manual timing devices, not electronic ones. Is that an answer? He gave you multiple choices. I gave you multiple choices. One of them is the answer, so you just got to say one of them. Uh, Oslo, please, is my guess. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, By Oslo, I meant the other one. The other one? Brennan Kelly, you got a shot here. Uh, can I hear the three again? Or I guess just so two it's of them. Between Los Angeles in 1928 or Stockholm in 1912? Uh, Stockholm, 1912. You and several listeners on the text line are correct. <laughs> Good. I put my faith in them. I looked at the text and everyone was texting 1912. So. <laughs> oh, so you cheated. Okay, good. Well done. Well, I got Shane, it right and you got it wrong. I, I, so there's that. Mm, mm, yeah. I was, the text wow. line is, I don't have control over that. So Officer I Matt got rules. it right. Steve got it right. Catherine mm-hmm. got it right. I'm not sure Brennan got it right. I, well, I got it right. Like I said it and it was correct and I got the point. So there's, <laughs> there is that. Oh, boy. Yeah. You, you got a sure thing. All right. Brendan. You're up two nothing, comfortable lead. Don't coast now. Pick your category. Off the judges. Uh, oh, I'll go with the one we haven't uh, haven't uh, chosen yet. International Olympics. Okay, right. great. What black Olympian has been credited with quote single handedly crushing Adolf Hitler's myth of Aryan supremacy? Your options are Usain Bolt. George Coleman Page and Jesse Owens. Uh, George Coleman Page. That is incorrect. Ooh. Oof. Shane, do I guess you do have a chance here? You okay. get a chance here. Absolutely, um, you do. Usain Bolt, George Coleman Page. What was the other one? Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens. That is that is correct. Absolutely. <laughs> Owens I would like to thank. I'd like to thank the IOC for sponsoring Brendan Kelly here um, and paying for you his just flights. Got 
you you just well, I don't got get a correct you... answer. Oh, like, I thought I got yeah. it. I, thought... I don't. Why are you chirping me right now? Like no, that's not I, that, that's, that's I not like an acceptance speech for getting it right. Like learn right. to be at least you know a sportsman like winner. <laughs> oh, I thought I was. I got my speech. No, that's uh-huh. what... no. No, you don't get it. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Owens was the most successful athlete at the 1936 Berlin Games, winning four gold medals. Hmm. Amazing. Brendan Kelly with a two to one lead. It is now Shane Hewitt's chance to tie things up. Shane, please pick a category. Well, I'm coming back to Canada. We got to go stay Canadian here. Get a little support from the shift heads on the text line to help me out. Oh, Shane, mm. I've got some good news for you, buddy. Oh, what's that? Guess what you just landed on? Uh, the bonus question. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> the bonus question. I feel this got tense in here. The bonus question is pretty amazing because if you get it correct, you get two points. This would give you the chance to overtake Brandon Kelly's two-to-one lead. Here is your question. All right, I'm listening. Team Canada broke the international record for the most gold medals won at a single Winter Olympics in 2010. Here is your question. How many gold medals did the Canadians win that year? Your options are... 11, 16, or 14? 11, 16, or 14. Mm-hmm. I'm going with 14, Bob. Brian. Is did that your final Google answer? Because it's just the way, the direction you were looking there. And no, the, I did the not. I promise you. typing sound that I heard. No, I did not. That's uh-huh. my Rubik's Cube. Uh-huh. That's my stress release because you guys stress me out. Yeah. And, and I promise you, I did not. You can check my browser history. Don't check my browser history. <laughs> 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 I promise you, I did not Google it. Okay. Check my browser okay. history at your own risk. 14 is your 14 final 14 was my guess. Yeah. That is correct. Now, yes. I already knew that was correct because I knew the answer. <laughs> See, I knew the reason why I know that answer was because of the question that I asked last hour for our guest coming up next hour. Oh. And I know what the number is for that Olympics. So, so that was the only reason so, why I was able to. So you cheated. An unintentional cheat. Yeah, so you uh, cheated. I think they, I think I mean, they got like If we're going to accuse me of or cheating. Knowledge. Then. I got educated, really. Yeah, you know, he's he got was, a, yeah no. Well, he got, then if this isn't a cheat, if getting knowledge and insight and getting educated I mean, means cheating, just, then call me a cheater, brother, because guessed. I am filled with knowledge. I just guessed based on what the text messages said, and you accused that of cheating. So, like, like that was just a guy. I just looked at the text and was like, oh, okay, I'll go with them. Who's tripping now? Yeah. Eh? Because he's losing. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, Shane gets two points, so is now Wait. up three to two. Brendan Kelly. Can you tie it here? Please pick a category. Uh, I'll go. uh, We just had Canada there. So I'll Mm -hmm. go with international again. International it is. How old was the oldest Olympic medal winner? The options are 48, 64, 72, and 56. Um, I would like to uh, I would like to offer a uh, an olive branch in this one to Brennan's question. If if you have the info, I don't know if you do. Can you clarify if it was a winter or summer a summer Olympics athlete? If you it know that, it was a summer Olympics athlete. Okay, take that. It was. Um, what were all that? What were all of them again? You want to hear him again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I interrupted. 48. Uh-huh. Yeah. 48, 64, 72, or 56? Wow. 72. That is correct. Yes. Wow. Someone in their 70s drink it and take the, get this. This is amazing. In the 1920 Summer Olympics, Swedish shooter Oscar Schwann won a silver medal in the double shot running deer contest at the age of 72. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, can we just celebrate that in 1920 somebody lived to be 72? Give him a gold medal for that. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Let we can alone agree that he was that. an Olympian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, amazing. Okay, well, you're both you you are now tied. This well, this is a Matt big point. Here. In uh, in Calgary's crushing it on the text line, by the way. I actually yeah, everybody's he, uh, doing very well with the Olympic yeah. trivia here. He helped me with that last one there because he yeah, texted seventy two. I also figured it was probably that because it's the oldest of the age, and I thought it was probably a, like forty eight. Mm-hmm. not that interesting. Forty eight's not that old. This person, no. Okay. Anyway. Winning at a gold medal at 48 is not an accomplishment? It just, oh my it's God. not. It's, we, yeah, backpedal. No, it's not that it's not an accomplishment, but it's just like the oldest. You, you figure it's going to be something, you know, mem- yeah, like, you know, like the 48-year-old, whatever. They probably want it curling. He can do that at 48, curling. right? Curling, of course. I knew you were going to say curling. I knew it. That oh. was funny. Okay. Well done. Pretty good. Shane, you do have next pick of category. Oh, well, I think we better go back to random crap. Stuff that doesn't random fit anywhere crap. else, right? Okay, let's do... Oh, let's do this one. Uh, let me find... Sorry. Okay, here we go. Can you tip your eyes down just a little bit? Because the reflection from your screens and your glasses, and I think I can read the answer. Oh, okay. It's not backwards. You can you can read backwards? <laughs> That's high trying. def. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so... 2012 Summer Olympics opening ceremony was pretty wild during that ceremony a british comedian very famous british comedian took part in a uh, routine that involved him playing a piano which comedian was it i will give you the hint that the entire routine revolved around this song if i I got it. Oh, you get it. Okay, good. Sorry. (laughs) I wasn't sure if it was me. Just chariots of fire. The whole joke was him tapping the same note on the piano over and over again. Oh, yeah. Here are your options. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to give you options here. Thank you. Need that. Billy Connolly. Okay. John Cleese. Uh Jimmy Carr. Or Rowan Atkinson. Oh, I can go with Cleese. It's a good guess. Monty Python was involved, but not with that performance. Oh, I thought for sure of anything that would be like yeah. stupid slapstick, that would be it. I, I remember it, but I don't remember who it was. Nuts. Brendan Kelly, it comes to you. Will you take the lead here? Uh-oh. Yes, Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson. Yes, it is. Correct. Talking about uh, slapstick. If you had right said there. Mr. Bean, I probably would have. Two and two oh, thanks That's for the texter easy. who just texted now. <laughs> I, I don't see that up there. Steve in North know. Vancouver let me down. No, oh, a bit, it's eh? behind. It's not up on my... I'm looking at the phone box. It's not up here yet. So. No. That's yeah, only so I didn't cheat browser. on that one. Yeah. No. Oh, good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. First time ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. Um, All right. Next up, we've... Uh, yeah, let's do... I, I, I'm going to pick the category for you because I have. Uh, we're running low on time. Uh, it's Brennan's pick. I'm going to give you this question. How many Olympic rings are in the logo? And what do they mean? <laughs> That's Brennan's question. That's uh, Brennan's question. Oh, okay. Uh, you look confused, buddy. I am confused right now. Um, how many rings? In the logo for the Olympics, how many rings are there? And what do they mean? Uh, is there five? There are five rings. That's correct. Okay, so my mind, memory works. Um, yep. That's for what they mean. I don't know. Um, peace and prospect, love and uh, athletics. I don't know. In- no, I'm sorry. Nope, not even close. Shane, very quickly. Uh, I think they, uh, they, it's like Kool-Aid. You know how um, strawberry is red? So I think it's like they, they stand for blueberry and strawberry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, both of you. You're both incorrect. And we're actually out of time. We're out of time. I do have just enough time to ask you one more question as we head to break. Okay. What was the very, very first Olympic sport? The, the very, first one very first Olympic sport ever. I think that sounds like a great opportunity uh, to... Um, push pause on that question and just say that 
what was the five meaning of the five rings? Oh, uh, it was the continents of, uh, oh, okay. of earth, Africa, oh, uh, Asia, Americas, Europe, and Oceania. Okay, cool. Um, okay. So the very, very first Olympic sport ever. Oh, I don't even know how many years ago that would have been. How about we answer that with a guest? Let's do it. We have a guest coming up next. His name is Nigel. He is an expert in the Olympics, in particular, ancient Olympics. So the answer to your question, the very first Olympic sport ever is coming up next. This is the Shift Podcast. As we chat about the Olympics there on Game Showy, I promised you an answer to a question um, to find out for sure. And let's do that with an expert on all things Olympics, Nigel Crowther, Emeritus Professor at Western. Up the 401, more towards Ottawa in the world of retirement and uh, and counseling other organizations in the in the world, which is really cool. Nigel is all things distinctly different, but yet together, ancient Olympics and current Olympics. Nigel, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on The Shift. You're welcome. I love this. Um, the question is, what was the very first Olympic sport? Well, okay, that's a fairly easy question. We're going to go back almost 3,000 years. Wow. We're going to go back to 776 BC, the traditional date for the first Olympic Games. And we're going to go to just one event. Because believe it or not, in the first Olympic Games, there's only one event. And I'm giving you a moment to think what that may be. And it is the 200-meter foot race. Wow, running. (laughs) Now, think about the implications of that. You've got the Olympic Games. You've got one event. It's 200 meters. How long does 200 meters take? Um. The answer is not very long. 20, 30, 25, 30 seconds? I don't know, back then? Exactly. In the ancient world, a little bit faster in the modern world. <laughs> so the question is, why would people go to this festival just for an event that would last 25 seconds? So This what, is where it's very crucial, actually. Yeah, what's the attraction? The attraction is religion. Really? Because Olympia, which is in the middle of nowhere literally in southeast, southwest Greece, I should say, is primarily a religious festival. Hmm. And it's dedicated to the foremost god of the Greeks, that's Zeus. And you'll remember Zeus because it's Suez backwards, mm-hmm. Suez Canal. And therefore, it's religion at the beginning. And as we can perhaps see in a few moments, it's going to close for the same reason which is religion. So we don't have much in 776. But we must remember that the ancient Olympics lasted over a 1,000 years. It lasted 1,169, to be precise. And if you compare that with the modern Olympics, how long have they lasted? Let's take a look. What, 126, 126 years? Wow. The modern Olympics. That's good contrast. by 10. And obviously, you're going to have vast changes over the 1,100 years. So really, we should talk today a little bit about the Olympic Games, maybe at the height of the dominance in the ancient world. And then we can talk more about the 200 meters. Yeah. So I find it, um, as I'm, I'm filtering through everything I've been told about the Olympics, like my brain uh-huh. is going tick, 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 tick right now. And so it's interesting when in today's world they say, you know, the Olympics are not a political statement. Yet, <laughs> in the very beginning, um, politics and religion were very deeply in bed with each other back then. And, and you know, maybe today, but back then for sure. And, and yet, um, it was very much part of it. That's fascinating to me t- to learn that today from you. Well, you can't get away from religion in the ancient world. Yeah. I think everybody knows about Greek mythology. Everybody believed in Zeus. It's much more of a religious culture than it is today. It's very different. And this is one of the things that really helped to define Olympia. Uh, Because 
supposedly religion kept athletes from cheating. Actually, it didn't, but it was supposed to be one of the <laughs> Still doesn't. <laughs> because if you think about the ancient world, they did virtually everything that certain athletes do today to get an advantage of the rivals. Wow. In terms of, well, the main one was bribery. <laughs> All sorts of instances of when one athlete would bribe another for victory. And people write about this in Man. the ancient world at that time. So that in itself is sort of interesting. And they also tried certain substances. And you can see where I'm going. There's no evidence for doping as such. But if they knew how to dope, they certainly would have. So where I'm going is that fair play is really a modern concept. <laughs> much more than in the ancient world. <laughs> This is fascinating, Nigel. This is absolutely fascinating. Like, we have this romanticized look at ancient Olympics, right? And we do. And nice to see problem. humanity hasn't come very far. <laughs> I think that's, that's the part that's interesting. Yeah. And this is what I've tried to do in my research, to look at the facts. And this is one of my famous quotations. It is from a president of the IOC, and that is to look at things as they are, not as you would like them to be. That's good and so many people that. have this rosy tinted spectacle look. So what I'm going to do today is give you the facts and just the facts. Wonderful. So long ago. Yep. Um, did it was it shaped the same way that we that the traditions I'm just trying to connect for everyone who knows traditions of today's Olympics like torch for example were those types of rituals part of this old world as it gets started and you share some of these facts with us you're thinking of the torch relay well things like that the sun lighting the torch more more specifically is where my mind was at but yeah totally modern totally modern totally modern wow so let's take a look at modern symbols. The Olympic rings, modern. Olympic hymn, modern. The only thing that's similar is the oath. Remember the athletes, modern judges take the oath? Mm -hmm. At least one of them does. Well, there were oaths in the ancient world. And as you can see, we're coming back to religion because all the ancient athletes swore an oath to Zeus that they wouldn't sin against the games and that they had been in training for 10 months and so forth. So it's a little bit of a misnomer to talk about modern symbols and compare them with the ancient, except for the oath. It's fascinating. Which most people may not even remember. Right. Fascinating. Okay, so give us a snapshot. What, what were some of the facts? What did it look like if we look at what the games were? I guess I'm imagining a bunch of people showing up at a field, watching people run 200 meters, going, well, that was fun. You know, you let's are. go do something else. Uh, you want more events? Please. All right. We have uh, four events in running, and these are going to surprise you. Maybe not the first ones, because we got the 200, and we've got the 400, and we've got the 5,000 to round it off. Everybody's familiar with those, 200, 400, 5,000 meters. We have a race in armor, and that's kind of interesting because you have the military connections there. But you will notice there's one event I have not mentioned, which is very, very modern, and which most people associate with the ancient Greeks and Olympia, and that is the marathon. Oh, interesting. There's no ancient marathon. This is a myth. It was a race. It was not a I should rephrase that. It was not a race. But it was introduced in 1896 by the modern creator of the Olympic Games just to conduct something which he thought was very Greek. But in fact, it's not a fact. It's a myth. Okay. I absolutely love it. Athletics, key part of the hey, Olympics. Yeah, great. You ready for the pentathlon? Uh, is it a real thing? It is. Really? Pentathlon 
And you had to win three of these events to be the overall victor. And the first one was a jump. Okay. Let's take a look at the jump. What's different from the modern world is that the ancient athletes used weights. What am I talking about? Well, they carried weights in their hands weighing between one and four pounds. And these have been found by archaeologists. They jumped music. It was coordination. Wait for this. There is a record which suggests that one athlete jumped 55 feet with weights. Now, if you think about that, there's no way you can jump 55 feet, is there? Well, Aristotle suggests you can jump further with weights than without. One in Tess suggests you can't do much. Newton's third law is against that. So today, I think we've got to say that's exaggeration to jump 55 feet, because no modern athletes, not even Carl Lewis, has jumped 30 feet, right? So I like, so uh, like when you talk about that sort of like a, like a long jump style of, of jumping with weights in your hands. Yes. Wow. Now in 1896, they thought, well, what's the record in 1896 for the long jump? Nowhere close, but there's a triple jump. So some scholars suggest it's a triple jump because then you'd get about 55 feet. As this is a story about this guy who jumped 55 feet, he broke his leg on the jump. Well, maybe it's an exaggeration. <laughs> but it's an interesting story. Wow, that's a, that's a heck of a push, isn't it? My yeah. goodness. That's amazing. And uh, the second one is the discus. Very close to the modern discus, except a couple of exceptions. It's made of stone or metal and much heavier than a modern discus. There's a record here, too, of 95 feet. 95 feet? That's not far. I can throw 95 feet. Mm -hmm. The moderns can throw, what, up to 230 feet? Oh, wow. But the ancients used a heavier discus. And these have been discovered by archaeologists and they are not aerodynamic, like a 2K modern discus, and therefore this may be an understatement we can't sell. Number three was the javelin, or part of the pentathlon. And as you might expect, it was for distance, and the Greeks were very good at throwing spears, yeah. part of warfare. Yeah, I was thinking maybe they threw it at other people. <laughs> Uh, well, they did, but in war yeah. and in the stadium, which is fairly narrow, it was kind of dangerous because there are examples of people who were killed with javelins which went astray. Oh, wow. And apparently, you could, <laughs> in the ancient world, you could throw it a little bit further than in the modern world because they used a, a long strap or a thong, which allowed a little bit more momentum hmm, and wow. tests have been made there. Safe enough so to say the definition of that has also do. changed in today's world. Absolutely. <laughs> Isn't it still banned in high school? Uh, it could be. <laughs> it was in high school, and then it was banned for the reason yeah. I mentioned. That's amazing. And now we come to events you'd be more familiar with, wrestling, maybe. No. No rounds. No weight divisions. Think about that in terms of fairness. All men, I'm assuming? No women? Ah, I'll come to that in a moment. All right. No, there were no women at all at the games. It was very slow. It was decided by three falls. We're familiar with that. Uh -huh. Shoulders touched the ground. But this was brutal. People could be killed in wrestling. They were killed in wrestling. But there were no le no legal implications. If you, if you went into the arena, in quotes, you accepted your fate. Wow. So, so that's kind of nasty. So that's the fourth event. And the other event was running the 200 meters, which we talked about a few moments ago. 
There's a bit more. I'll try and be fast with this. There was boxing, which is knockout by submission, head blows, very brutal, as we know from statues. And as you might imagine, they had straps on their hands, which could cause a lot of damage. Hmm. And just under this general heading, there was the pancratium. And this was not part of pentathlon. Can you guess what the pancratium was? Because it's almost a modern term. It's identical to mixed martial arts. Wow. So you can imagine that was the most popular sport in the wow. as it is for the moderns. And it's a mixture. It's a mixture of boxing, wrestling. And the only thing you couldn't do, no biting, no gouging of the eyes. Everything else was allowed. And that was nasty. Wow. <laughs> All right. A little bit further, there were also equestrian events. There were chariot races. And this was very common as a spectacle. This was the opening spectacle to have various chariot races, horse races, and as well. And these were, again, pretty brutal because there were lots of crashes. And the, and the Greeks loved that. And the reason there are so many horse races and chariot races, and I won't miss them all, is because uh, Olympia was a center for equestrian events. It was a horse breeding country in other words. There we are. There's huh. your events. That's amazing. I, I, it's, it's kind of like you imagine it when you think of like the Colosseum and, and those types of stories and images that were, were shown in books from so long ago. And yeah. it goes to show that we really haven't come very far in a lot of ways to what we see, to what we see today. I mean, that's, that's Absolutely. really quite fascinating um, to think of that. So now there was a gap between the old world and the new world. What happened there? I mean, if this one ran for a thousand years, so we're still at, you know, Jesus, I guess. And uh, then. Well, that's a very interesting point. Okay, here we are. They went, the Olympic Games went to the fourth century AD. Uh-huh. And then the Roman emperor, because Rome was in charge of mentoring the world, he decided that all cults that are not Christian should be closed. And therefore, the games which had begun because of religion ended because of the religion, not the same religion, but Christianity. Christianity put an end to the games. Wow. So, and there was an end, as you know, for uh, a millennium or so until what I'll call the modern world of the 19th century. Hmm. Shall we jump forward to the modern world? Yeah, let's fast forward because what we see here is that I see like a, a geographically somewhat isolated Olympics and then the new world is much more, you know, global, not so much in the beginning, but it was an attempt to it in the beginning. I mean, we had boats by then, people were moving around more often. Is that one of the most distinct differences? It is. Uh, let me explain, since I haven't mentioned it so far, that in the ancient world, it was all Greeks. It was not international. Huh. You just mentioned that. I should also mention in Greece, the athletes were naked. I should also mention that the athletes were covered in olive oil. <laughs> there are all sorts of theories about that. And as, that you, as you hinted a few moments ago, there were no women of any kind. Huh. By that, I mean no women, no girls, no nothing. So let's take a look at one word. The real figure in terms of reviving the ancient Olympics was de Coubertin, Frenchman. Positive qualities he believed in the ancient games, believed in physical education, but there were lots of negative points because he only believed in what I'll call the rich and famous, didn't believe in the common person. And it's from the Coubertin we have professionalism, amateurism, and he would allow amateurism in the ancient, in the modern games. And as you mentioned a moment ago, of course, 
you've got international rather than Greek. So that's an important consideration. Now, what's interesting, remember the ancient Greeks uh, closed the games, or the Romans did it, because of Christianity. Well, the modern games, 1896, were revived partly because of Christian belief. And I'll illustrate that by pointing out that they began on Easter Sunday, because Easter Sunday, symbolic renaissance of Christ, renaissance of the ancient games. So we can't get away from religion this time, Christianity. So we're looking international. Kupitan introduced one, just one of the ancient running events, and that was the 400 meters. No 200 meters back then. And as I hinted at, he introduced the marathon. So there was 1896. This is the Shift Podcast. We have this um, <laughs> this segment. Oh, man. This is the very first line. We have this segment here called, Are You Okay With? Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay with gambling? Gambling. Gambling. Gam gam? Yeah, I made this one yesterday when I was gambling. Like, clearly oh, half awake. I know what that is. Um, yeah. Wasn't that the name of like a movie production company company for gambling? Like, gam gamlin? I don't know. Oh, gamlin. Gremlin? Gamlin. Yeah, gamlin. Garmin. Like that. Yeah. No, that's um, that's GPS. Yeah. Uh gambling was what I originally typed just oh, okay. for clarity. <laughs> Do you like to gamble? Do you spend money? Are you a risk taker? Uh, yeah, big time. I, I haven't gambled at a casino for quite a few years. No. <laughs> uh, nope, long time. Last time I was there, though, I did win. Um, and uh, But I gamble online within video games. Like, spend 20 bucks and you might get something worth $100 in-game content. I didn't do that this year, which I'm glad I didn't. Because um, I'm 100%. If I start, it's hard for me to stop. It's very dangerous. I don't like it. Fun, really though. hey yeah oh yeah yeah i'd say it's a vice so if i go to a casino it's a treat and that's been a while huh very cool oh uh, well i just want to cut some brian some slack here um gambling is i i know what his autocorrect was thinking because gambling is a member of Rohirrim, a lawyer loyal follower and minor character in lord of the rings so that's obviously he's oh, typed that before. So that's why his that's autocorrect right. came up with that. One hundred percent, his autocorrect. Oh, wow, look at that! Yeah. Thanks, Brendan. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, autocorrect. As far as gambling, no, I don't even. I, I feel guilty when I buy a piece of gum. Like I'm not going to gamble. You know what I do? I go with my friends, and they pull out like wads of cash, and they feed the dragon like crazy with the, like I've seen them be up five hundred dollars, down five hundred dollars get another hundred bucks in there, be up $300 and come out, you know, maybe down 50 bucks. And so I usually will give them 20 bucks and say, play this. And then I buy a drink for me and my friend. And then I watch them play and then they buy me drinks and that's it. So I don't, I can't do it. I am too cheap to gamble. Uh, and I don't know who gambling is either. So either way, gambling or gambling, neither for this guy. Now it's fun though. Lots of pretty colors, right? The games yep. go bling, 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 bling. You're a winner. Money. Stuff like that. Dangerous, though, to, well, anybody, really. These two nuns are asking for forgiveness and prayers after embezzling hundreds of thousands of dollars to, among other things, pay for trips to Sin City. Gambling and jet setting. Not exactly the lifestyle you might expect for two nuns. They'd come driving in in their nice white Volvos, and they lived in a nice condo, and you know, you, the parents aren't asking, you know, that seems kind of strange for people that took an oath of poverty. But parents at this California Catholic high school are outraged that their own tuition checks may have been footing that lavish lifestyle. Wow. Oh. Wow, like I, my Party Catholic time. guilt comes in when I buy a chocolate bar. And these wow. nuns are just... Well, some people would say driving a Volvo. <laughs> that is living oh, poverty. <laughs> How could you? Um... 
So that broke in 2015. Now that story is almost complete from so long ago. A court heard Principal Mary Margaret Kruper diverted $835,000 of school funds to pay for gambling jaunts in Las Vegas, and she's now headed to jail for a year and a day. Sister Mary Margaret Kruper pleaded guilty in July to federal wire fraud and money laundering charges. Prosecutors had recommended a 24-month prison sentence, three years of supervised release, and restitution. Kruper admitted to taking money from St. James Catholic School starting in 2008. Attorneys for the 80-year-old say she is mentally ill and is sorry for any harm she caused. She's 80. Like we should pray for her. Um, well, like a year in jail at eighty. Like, why would you go for longer? I. Well, uh, okay. I mean, it's tough because she committed a very bad crime, and, mm-hmm. stole and money. people and stole money. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what you do. If you break the law, you should not be immune. And yet, I, in my gut, feel bad about a nun going to jail at eighty. But at the same time, she broke the law. Very, it's very weird. This is a very conflicting. Yeah, get Brendan. That Catholic guilt is really yeah, coming it out of the in, doesn't right it? Now. Really yeah, Welcome to the conditioning. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's the conditioning right there, right? You've been you've been taught. That's what we go through, man. That's what we're looking at. Glad we brought this up. The Times reported that when she was initially confronted by the Archdiocese of L.A., Cooper argued that priests were better paid than nuns, and that she thought she deserved a raise. It's a pretty bishop, good argument, actually. Bishop was like, "Oh, this is here. None of it. <laughs> none of it. <laughs> <laughs> well Very done. good. Are Very you okay good. with? You were saving that, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> Are you okay with amateur art? Uh, like, put it on the fridge art, like magnet, and on the fridge, amateur yeah, kids, absolutely would... all day. Yeah, I think so too. Right? Even um. I like uh, I really like going to farmers markets or flea markets or even just sometimes on the street and just seeing someone who really loves their art and is selling it and confident in it. Um, I mean, there's some really bad stuff on really like, bad. what's that what yeah. what's that one website where you can just commission like uh, is it Fiverr? There's the oh, website yeah, where yeah. you can commission anything. There's some rough. The internet is a hive of beauty and villainy, man. Like terrible, ugly stuff on there. I realize it's an expression, but let's be honest. You should not have quit your career as an accountant to paint that. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's a conflicted individual. If they were an accountant and they went into like postmodern art. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Right brain, right brain. Yeah. Um, Etsy used to be cool to get unique things. Now it's just everything from Alibaba. But flea marks, eBay, or just, just sat on the street. You can find amateur art anywhere. Um, that's the cool stuff. You can find like, it's the diamond in the rough really is the, is the thing. I would rather go to an amateur artist and say, here's what I need. I need this kind of color and I want you to, you know, listen to this song or, or, you know, hang out with me and my friends. And I want you to get the feeling of the kind of chemistry we have between the three of us. Listen to the shift. I want you to paint when you're listening to the shift, but I need it to be these, you know, tones of blue or a complimentary color so it can go in here, right? Like, I think that would be cool. I bet you when I speak, it's all the darker colors. It's all (laughs) black, 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 black everywhere. (laughs) So as of today, you can find amateur art anywhere. You can find amateur art in a museum filled with very famous art, too. Oh, that's nice. In fact, opportunities. Yeah, I mean, it's not very often that a, a proper museum is going to take the art of an amateur and, and put it up, unless, of course, it happened the other way around. A security guard at a Russian art museum has now been fired after he was inspired to become an artist himself. Sort of. He destroyed a painting worth over a million dollars after he got bored on his first shift and drew eyes on a faceless figure's depicted in the artwork according to the daily mail on his first day on the job the security guard had drawn two pairs of eyes with a ballpoint pen onto artist anna leporskaya's three figures painting those paintings were made in the 1930s 
Man. He drew eyes on it because they don't have their faces. Man. They They look kind of like the Ikea guy. They kind of do. They kind of do. I. Man, really? Mm-hmm. You're a security guard. You go, this first is what night. I'm doing. Welcome to work. How was your first night at work? The painting's now being restored. The damage, according to the restoration expert at State Tretyakov Gallery, can be eliminated without any long-term damage to the artwork. Okay, Our board guard has been fired, and to be fair, being a security guard in an art museum might be one of the most boring jobs in the world. I think that's a fair assumption. This guy, though, has been a guard at the Guggenheim for almost 10 years. I guess the eight-hour day can be boring, and I'll try to organize my day and think of what I'm going to do that night. Or, you know, meditating, prayer, looking at the paintings, of course, you're in the best environment possible. Um, Yeah, so that's what I do. Well, we think the boredom is kind of worn off on them. Recently, I did a really big project, the signature dish of Puerto Rico. They're called pasteles. They're kind of like a tamale, and it takes a lot of work. It took me 12 hours total. I did 10 and a half hours in one day. I went to bed at 3 in the morning. Oof. Oh. <laughs> so if you work a boring job, you become boring? We need to get that guy some time with some other human beings because yeah. he doesn't spend time with very many people to be really able to share not. his stories. Like, even I'm not that bad yet. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you're not like there people. yet. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.